I want to invite you to take your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've been preaching a series of messages that I conclude today entitled, Life's Greatest Questions. Question number one is, where did I come from? Who am I? And we established the fact that we were wonderfully and gloriously created by God. Amen? God created the world, the rocks, the reels, the hoes, the hills, the birds, bees, the flowers, and the trees, the ewes and me's. He created us all. And then question number two is, why are we here? We talked about how God's got an individual purpose for your life. Question number three, is there a right or wrong? Is everything okay or is there anything wrong? Is there anything right? And we talked about the standard for that last week. We come this week to the last message. It's question number four. And I want us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. This is what it says. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I want to talk to you about where do I go, where do I go after I die? Where do I go after I die? And this is not a new question. The oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. And in the oldest book of the Bible, Job asked this question in Job 14 and 14. Job said, if a man die, shall he live again? And we're still asking that question. Now think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Question number one was simply, where did I come from? Where did I come from? And if there's not life after death, that question really doesn't matter. Question number two is, is there a purpose for my life? Well, friends, if there's no life after death, that question really doesn't matter. Question number three, is there a right or wrong? Well, think about it. If there's no life after death, what does it really matter whether you do right or whether you do wrong? So in essence... Question number four, is there life after death? Where do I go after I die? It's the most important question. Do I believe in life after death? A guy calls his office and says to his boss, I won't be in today. I need two days off. My grandmother died, and we've got to have the funeral. 
The boss said, okay. Two days passed, and the man comes to work, and his boss calls him in the office. He's back from his grandmother's funeral, and his boss calls him in the office and says, do you believe in life after death? The man says, I most certainly do. Why would you ask a question that like that? He said, well, yesterday, while you were at your grandmother's funeral, she stopped by to see you. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I do believe in life after death. And I want us to see three things they are in the Word of God, they're in this Scripture that I think very well explains what's going to happen after we die. What's going to happen? You say, Pastor, I'm not sure this message is relevant to me. Oh, yes, it is. You see, I'm young. It's still relevant to you. I preached a funeral yesterday. I'll preach a funeral today. It's relevant to every one of us. They just re released, I want to make you aware of this, they just released some new stats concerning death. I don't know if you're aware of these. Just released some new ones. This is the new stat. One out of every one dies. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it, it's, it's relevant to every one of us. And there's three quick things I want you to see. Number one, we're going to die Physically. We are going to die physically. A man was very sick. He goes to the doctor, and the doctor examines him and says, go out into the lobby and send your wife in. He goes out into the lobby, and the wife comes in, and the doc very sternly looks at the wife and says, your husband's got a rare disease, but it's treatable. All he needs is some special treatment. All he needs is some tender, loving care. All he needs is when he gets in from work, you to meet him at the door with a rose in your mouth. All he needs is there to be a nice, delicious dinner on the table. All he needs is after that dinner to you run his bath water. All he needs after that bath is to give him a gentle massage. All he needs after that gentle massage is to turn back the bed covers and Make sure he has a wonderful night's sleep. All he needs is to wake up the next morning to a delicious breakfast being cooked. That's all he needs. She, he, she said, thank you so much. Walks out into the lobby. The husband said, honey, what did the doctor say? She said, the doctor said, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> well, listen to me very closely. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sinner into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. I love what Woody Allen said. <laughs> Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Now, when I look at verse 1, notice what Paul said. He said, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, probably the word would be tent, were dissolved. What'd Paul say? He said, if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is what God said. 
God said, you're in a house. As I stand here today, I'm looking at a bunch of houses. I'm looking at some real, real nice houses. I'm looking at some houses that are not so nice. I'm looking at some small houses. I'm looking at some big houses. Amen? But nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, we're all in a house. All we're in is just a house. This body, it's just a house. You're in a house. I'm in a house. That's what the Bible says. See, folks, you got to understand something. You're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. This body that we think is so wonderful, is so wonderful. No, no, no. All it is is an earthly house that's dissolving every day. See, understand something. Just as a dog lives in a doghouse, a human lives in a human house. It's just a house, ladies and gentlemen. And I love what Paul said. He addressed it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He said, For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perisheth. The house, folks. The outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I've been doing some work on my house. I've been staining my deck. I've been doing some painting. I've been in the house almost 20 years. And it needed some work. And Barbara didn't want to do it. <laughs> and it needed some work because it's just decaying. And folks, these earthly houses decay too. I love what the great theologian Dolly Parton said. Dolly Parton said, if I see something sagging, bagging, or dragging, I'm going to have it nipped, tucked, or sucked. <laughs> Dolly said, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> well, I don't know about all that, but I'll tell you what I do know, folks. Your body and my body has an expiration date. Your body and my body has an expiration date and your soul has a moving date. An expiration date and a moving date because we're all going to die physically. You're not going to get out of this world alive. I'll tell you something else. We're going to exist supernaturally. I really, when I was 20, folks, I didn't understand verse 2. When it says, for in this we groan. <laughs> I didn't understand that verse when I was 20. But as you get older, you understand we groan. We groan. Things change. Oh, what I'd give for one night just to go to bed and be able to sleep all night. <laughs> Things change. As you get older, you develop the five B's. Baldness, 
bulges, bunions, bifocals, and bad memory. Amen? <laughs> Truly, life is like a bath. The longer you stay, the more wrinkles you get. <laughs> now, what happens, pastor? What happens when a Christian dies? Is there a soul sleep? Is there a purgatory? No, there's just no scripture for that. Because the Bible tells us this, folks. The Bible tells us in verse 8 of our text, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Friend, when you take your last breath in this life, you take your next breath in heaven. I preached a man's funeral yesterday, and his family said to me, he said, Pastor Benny, Daddy was so worried about dying alone. He didn't want to be alone when he died. And I said, I, I understand his concern, but all oh, he wasn't alone. <laughs> he wasn't alone because he was escorted to heaven by an angelic host, and he went into the very presence of God. He was never alone. He was never alone. But notice what the Scripture says in verse 3. If so, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. The Scripture there, naked, is talking about we shall not be a disembodied spirit. So apparently, ladies and gentlemen, I'll explain more, but apparently when a person knows the Lord and they die, they immediately go to be with the Lord, and they're not some disembodied spirit. They're in a temporary body, a temporary body. But what we got to understand, when a person passes, that body is here. That body goes back to the dust of the ground, but they're not there. A preacher was trying to explain this, and he was having a hard time at a funeral. And he referred to the guy that had passed, and he said, all's here is his shell. The nut's already in heaven. <laughs> but reality is, that's how it is. I love the story about Mr. Pease who died. And this is what he put on his tombstone. He said, beneath these clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. But this ain't peas. <laughs> it's just the pod. Peas shelled out and went to God. Amen? <laughs> See, we're going to die physically. We're going to exist supernaturally. But we're going to live eternally. We're going to live eternally. You know, you know what should be a reminder, folks, to you and me, and what God meant for to be a reminder to you and me, that one day we're going to heaven. And let me share this point. You know why this message is so relevant? 
You're not prepared to live until you're prepared to die. You can't really enjoy life until you have eternal life. You're not prepared to live. Friend, let me tell you something. I want to be transparent with you. I don't want to die today. I don't want to leave my wife. I don't want to leave my daughter. I don't want to leave you. Let me tell you something. I'm not afraid to die today. Now, that old account was settled long ago when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I unequivocally, I'm not afraid to die. Not because of me, but because I put my trust in him, in Jesus Christ. But you know what should be a wonderful reminder for us every day? That when this life's over, I've got heaven. You say, Pastor Benny, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Let me explain. There's a little boutique years ago. Barbara and I would go there, and we'd put things on layaway. Name of it's Walmart. <laughs> True story. I'd go and I'd put things on layaway at Walmart, and I'd pay a little bit on it to eventually get it, down, get it out. And see what I would do? I would go literally, folks, and I would pay earnest money down. Hypothetically, it was $100, and I'd put $25 down. Well, I was definitely going to go back and get it because I'd put the earnest money down. Kind of like when you buy a house, you put the earnest money down. Would you ever think about, where did that come from? Where did we get that analogy, earnest money? Glad you asked. Look at verse 5. Now, he that hath wrought us with the self-same thing is God, who hath given unto us the earnest, where we get the word earnest money, the earnest of the Spirit. When you, come to know, when you came to know Christ, God deposited the Holy Spirit in you. <laughs> and when he made that deposit in you, what he was saying is one day I'm going to come back and get you because, see, I've made a deposit in you. And so every day that we live our lives filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a reminder that this life's not the end. God's coming back to get us, and we're going to go be with him. <laughs> now, you said, wait, Pastor. Mom that's died. She's with the Lord. Oh, yes. She's in a temporary body, but she's with Jesus. Oh, folks, let me tell you something. I thank God that the streets are gold. I thank God that the gates are pearl. I thank God that the walls are jasper. But what's going to make it heaven is not the streets. It's not the gates. It's the fact that Jesus is there. He's there. <laughs> Oh, let me tell you, just him being there is going to make it heaven. So now, mom's in that temporary body, Pastor. When do we, when do we get the new glorified body? Well, look what it says. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, 
Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Wait right there. That's the scripture for the nursery. We need to post that in the Rock Springs Nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Amen? I just had that thought. Anyway, let's move on. Verse 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, when Jesus comes back, the dead's going to be raised first. Why? Well, they're six feet below us. Just a thought. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal is going to put him on immortality. Friend, what I want you to know, when Jesus comes back, we're going to all get our glorified bodies at the very same time. At the very same time, that glorified body. Oh, folks, it pays to live for the Lord. You say, well, what, about, what if my family member was cremated? It matters not. It matters not if they were cremated. It matters not if they were buried. That soul is going to be reunited with that glorified body. Amen? That soul's going to be reunited with that glorified body. Now, you know what I wish? I wish I could say I'm done. The message is over. We're through. But you know what's reality is, folks? Not everybody that dies is a Christian. And if I was one of these that just wanted to make you feel good, pat me on the back, oh, pastor, you're so wonderful, everybody's happy, clappy. But we've got to stand before God. And God's going to say, why didn't you preach the whole Bible? And I, I don't say, uh, for, for, for this group out here, folks, that just happy clappies, let me tell you, either we believe all 41,173 verses or we don't believe one of them. I mean, I'm just being honest. If we're not going to believe it all, let's don't believe one of them. And what I've learned, folks, we believe it till it comes close to us or affects some of our family members. Then we no longer believe it. We believe it till it affects us or comes close to some of our family members, and then we say, discard it. I can't go that. We believe it. If the pastor's patting me on the back and telling me how God's going to heal me, we believe it. But if the pastor's preaching the Word and telling me how God's going to kill me if I don't get right with him, we don't believe it. Are we okay, folks? But let me tell you something. I love every one of you. I love you people. You're precious, best church on earth. But I'm not going to stand and give an account before you. I'm going to give an account before God. I'll fight for you, but I'm going to stand. I'll fight for you, but I'm going to stand before God. What about that person that dies that doesn't know Christ? Well, look what it says. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. That person that doesn't know Christ for him, when they die, they go to hell. And it ought to break the hearts of the church. It ought to break our hearts 
It ought to break our hearts that men and women die without Jesus Christ. It breaks my heart when I preach funerals. I sit down with a family and I say, tell me about your loved one's spiritual life. And they say, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. In hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off. Can you imagine, folks? And I'm almost done. But can you imagine going to hell? It'd be horrible to be there. But to look and see Barbara in heaven, to look and see Savannah Abigail in heaven, to look maybe see my grandbabies, in heaven, I'm in hell. It doesn't get worse than that, Ricky. See, you believe what you want to believe, folks, but eternity's too long to be wrong. I spent 25 minutes telling you about heaven. I spent five minutes telling you about hell. But actually, folks, I've done the opposite of what Jesus did. Because for every one time he preached about heaven, nine times he preached about hell. And I can't stand before God, and I can't shave myself come morning if I don't tell you the truth. And the truth is there's a heaven to gain, but there's a hell to shun. And a man or woman is going to live forever in one of two places. And the only thing that can determine that is what we do with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ took the penalty as our musicians are coming, Jesus Christ took the penalty for your sin so you don't have to go to hell. All you've got to do is accept Jesus Christ and you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. But you must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess 
your sins to him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.